Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later... I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Welcome to the show, everyone. I mean, I have to laugh because I'm just getting messages from Yankees fans just yelling and complaining about why I'm so negative. Meanwhile, they're complaining about Garrett Cole getting shelled by the Red Sox right now. At the moment, it's 6 nothing Red Sox, and the Yankees are not coming back from that. <laughs> like, <laughs> with that offense, they are not coming back. The kids should be up by now. I went over this well in advance. It's like, the Yankees are putting up this facade that things will work out. When this season has been over for a full month and a half now, at, <laughs> at least, and people kept saying, oh, they're not that far from the wild card. The amount of teams that they have to jump over that they're not better than, and they're playing playoff teams. I went over this repeatedly. Repeatedly. So, I don't know. What you what do you want me to say? The only thing nice I can say about the Yankees is that the season will be over in a little over a month. That's the nicest thing I can say about the Yankees this year. You could fire Boone. It won't make a lick of difference. The only change that will come is a complete management overhaul and a change of philosophy because the way the analytics model is set up for the Yankees is flawed and it gets further exposed with the new rules environment in baseball that's emphasizing being able to have some amount of speed on the base paths. The Yankees have too many right-handed hitters. They got no speed. They got a bunch of aging uh, players. The Stanton contract you knew was depreciating, and he had a good year last year, and you didn't try to move him. Like, there were so many things that got caught up in the smokescreen about whether or not Judge was coming back that no one bothered to ask the question. Well, no, not no one. I, of course I did, but, like, no one, no one, no one paid attention to me because I always say I'm too negative. But, like, all these items were known. They were very visible if you watched the games and break them down what the Yankees' flaws were. And that none of that was going to change unless there was a complete overhaul of the roster, which had never happened, which I told you wasn't going to happen because the Yankees like playing it safe. And it just so happened that it finally caught up with them this year because I told you the last two years, they easily could have missed the playoffs both years. They could have missed it. Judge just had a historic year at the plate last year with hitting bombs that it actually protected the rest of the lineup where they were getting fed more fastballs. And yes, even when Judge was healthy, teams just decided, you know what, we're just going to keep pitching around Judge and force these other guys to beat us, and they couldn't do it. They could 
So what does that tell you? Anywho, let's get to what I actually wanted to talk about, which was the fact that we've got a UFC pay-per-view on deck tonight, UFC 292, Al Sterling defending against Sugar Sean O'Malley. Quite a stack card, so let's just get right down to it because we got a number of plays uh, to kind of get through with the fights, and it's going to be kind of tough because it's a 12-fight card, and I don't like most of these dogs. Uh, there's a very... Uh, there's a very clear path, in my opinion, that realistically, you've got, <laughs> I mean, realistically, the two best plays are the, uh, the defending champs. Um, you got Aljamain Sterling and Whaley Zhang. I, I think they should be more favored than they are. Uh, I, I think I'm basically going to be over 70% on both, uh, both of them. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. So, so let's, uh, let's get into it. I'll explain my rationale why, but we're going to get into it uh, as we go further down the card. So without much further ado, here we go. First fight on the card is a pretty much pick em, in my opinion. You've got uh, Mar- uh, Marina Morose versus Kareem Silva. Morose, 7,900 on DraftKings. Kareem Silva, 8,300. Uh, Silva is a minus 140 favorite. Honestly, yeah, this was a rematch from a fight eight years ago that Moreau's won by armbar. Uh, Silva is a primary, uh, striker, goes for a lot of volume, tries to knock people out in the first round, tends to slow down after the first. This is a live betting spot because if Moreau's gets out of the first, and that's the weird part with this fight. She actually got an armbar submission uh, real early in that first fight. I mean, eight years ago, it's a lifetime for fighters. So, realistically, kind of comes down to uh, can Silva get effective striking done and, ju- and just uh, kind of uh, pepper Moreau's with shots? Because as this fight goes longer, Moreau's should be favored. So, it, it's, a, it's a real test of whether or not Moreau's can hang in there because I think if this goes into a third round and it's 1-1, Moreau's should be the live uh, betting favorite. But, depends on if it actually goes that far. I do think that this fight should score well. I am going to have exposure to both fighters on uh, throughout this card. So, uh, to me, this is a MME type fight. But one that is important for uh, game theory purposes with DFS because I do think both fighters uh, should score pretty well. Next up, Natalia Silva versus Andrea Lee. Uh, Silva, a minus 325 favorite. Lee, uh, plus 260. Lee, been around for a couple of years, uh, was kind of in that Paige Van Zant role of uh, pretty blonde uh, that they're trying to. Uh, get over with fans. Uh, really hasn't done much with uh, uh, with her career. She does put up some volume in terms of her striking, which is why I think folks are kind of looking to her as an underdog pick. You know, 18% ownership, and it could be higher at 6,800. I 
I kind of get the play, but I think there are better underdogs that can actually pull off a win. I think Andrea Lee, if she wins, is because she tries to get a takedown and slows down the game over 15 minutes. But Natalia Silva is the better striker. She has uh, a wrestling background as well. She has jujitsu. To me, it, like Lee is a bad <laughs> defensive fighter because she has uh, barely a fifty-four. Yeah, it's a fifty-four percent takedown defense. I think Silva can get on her on the ground. I think she's better standing as well. I'm not seeing the areas of where. Andrew Lee is winning this fight. I can't see Silva putting up a big score where she doesn't have a ton of power, but because of how she strikes, this could be just a spot where you you get Silva with uh, a lot of uh, p- uh, pitter-pat punches, but they score well for DFS purposes, so at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You, you know, you, get, you do have to consider uh, the scenario of Silva putting up a big score at 9,400, which is what you're going to need at 9,400. Don't get me wrong. But it ain't the craziest thing in the world either. So, to me, the play here is Silva. For MME purposes in DFS, sure, you can play Lee. I just don't see where she's winning this fight at all. Next up. Oh, boy. Here we go. We got an Andre Petrovsky fight. Uh, for those who don't know, Andre Petrovsky is a beast of a man who has cardio for one round. And the issue is if Petrovsky can get his wrestling and grappling, he going to finish Mearshart pretty quickly. Mearshart, basically, uh, he has a 35-16 and 16 career record with 27 wins by submission. Like, GM3 is a submission specialist, and the one thing I worry about with Petrovsky is if he gets tired, he slows down, and he will take a desperation um, takedown, which Mearshart is more than likely willing to accept because if he can beat Petrovsky to a position, he can try to get uh, Petrovsky in a submission when Petrovsky's just incredibly tired. Or he can try to wait out Petrovsky, get it to the third, and try to sub him there. To me, this is a dangerous fight for Petrovsky. It's the reason why I'm not taking him in my main lineup. To me, like when you like look at it objectively, I think Petrovsky should win this fight. But. I've seen Mearshart in these types of fights before. And it's it's not as though I you know what? This is probably where I'm going to drive myself crazy. I, I may end up backtracking and end up taking Petrovsky anyway. But realistically this is a fight where Petrovsky 
can gas out, and it's not going to shock me that Mearshart wins. But Petrowski can easily dust Mearshart because we've seen Mearshart get dusted with guys with even less power than Petrowski possesses. Like, there, there, there is a very real path for Petrowski to run right through Mearshart, and he's on the optimal because he just demolishes the dude uh, to the extent that he has the highest scoring uh, fight of the night. That is a very real scenario. Now, what's aggravating about this, though, is the fact that we could still get a situation where um, we don't get uh, we don't get the uh, the full uh, impact of uh, we don't get the full impact of uh, some of these uh, some of these uh, builds because I I could I could see the scenario and like it's not crazy at all to me a world where um. It's not crazy at all in a world where we end up where we end up seeing uh, Mearshart on the winner because Petrovsky gasses out. Like the, to me, the, there there are varying ways this fight goes south, and um, I'm just I'm just very much uh, sensitive to the, the like. I just I do not love this fight at all. I really don't. Uh, but I'm going to have to play it, but I could see this one blowing up my night spectacularly and me wondering what the hell I was thinking in the first place, like kind of going down this path. But, um, there, there, there is a, there, 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 there's a pathway where this goes south. No, No question about it. There, there, there is a pathway this goes south. It's just one where, you know. You're gonna. Have, hey, this is not an easy card, and I'll get into the reasons why it's not an easy card. But uh, I, I do feel as though you're you're gonna have to get uh, at least uh, some exposure to this fight. Like this is not a fade fight. Like someone's gonna get finished, and we're gonna talk about another one of those fights coming up uh, uh, as well, where you're you're gonna have to make it work. You're gonna have to find some way of making this work. I just, uh, you know, I'm just not a huge fan of um, uh, <laughs> a huge fan of some of these scenarios, though. But uh, be that as it may, we have our two Ultimate Fighter Championship fights. I'm going to say this outright: this season of the Ultimate Fighter stunk. <laughs> the prospects weren't good. The vets that they had were not very good. But let's just start off with Brad Katona versus Cody Gibson at Bantamweight. Um, Katona is a favorite at minus 170. Gibson plus 140. I mean, Katona technically went um, two for two. Um, he One of those losses were to Mirab Dash Avili. Cody Gibson lost to Aljo years ago um, uh, with a one and three record. You know... I, I I don't know. Like Gibson has a bad knee. Katona fights slow, doesn't score well. I I don't like either fighter. To me, both of these are 
match the field or skip entirely. I'm not betting on this fight. I'm carrying lower exposure on this fight as well for DFS purposes. I'm just not a fan of this fight. Neither am I a fan of the Austin Hubbard-Kurt Hollibaugh fight um, at lightweight. Both these guys are like had four losses in the UFC. Um, you know, uh, Hollibaugh was 0-4. Hubbard, 3-4 in the UFC. Hubbard, not a finisher, only finished seven of his 15 fights. I mean... Hubbard is a minus one eighty favorite. I don't. To me, both of these fights are pick them. Don't like. Can Can you tell? I don't like either one of these. Fights? Like these are the fights where technically, yeah, could they decide the slate? Yes. But there's no real rhyme or reason to say this guy versus the other is actually going to do something. Like to me, I I'm struggling. To make a compelling case for either guy being able to get to what they need to get done in, in, in inside the octagon uh, tonight, like I just, I'm not necessarily seeing. I'm not. I'm not seeing the play. I, I wish I could, but I'm not. It, it, it's just one of those things where I think both of these guys uh, in this Hubbard Hollibaugh fight are average at best. I think. Th- I think both Ultimate Fighter fights come across as low scoring. Uh, like, I feel, you know, unless someone, you know, you know what, this is the bet, uh, I, I think they're evenly matched and it just comes across as a bad fight. Like, these are low level fights from a UFC perspective. So, from my, like, from my end, like, I just have a tough time rationalizing why we would be, uh, Betting on these fights or playing these fights for DFS purposes. I'm just not seeing the play. Moving on, we've got one of the most pivotal fights on the card, in my opinion, uh, from DFS purposes. We got Gregory Robocop Rodriguez versus Dennis Tululin. Tululin is uh, the plus 280 underdog. Robocop is a minus uh, 350 favorite. And the... This is the fight most likely to finish inside the distance at minus 500. Under one and a half uh, is minus 180. So all you need to know is whoever wins this fight is going to score big. And one thing we know about RoboCop, he's going to throw uh, lumber. Uh, he, he's a heavy puncher. But so is Tululin. And the thing that worries me most about RoboCop is... He doesn't move his head. He's very, very hittable. He's strong as an ox. He can take a beating. Uh, I mean, I still can't re- get out of my head the Chidi and Juki fight where his face got split open. Literally, he had a third eye over his nose because he was split open so badly. I don't know how the doctor didn't stop that fight. And he came back and won the fight because he is that tough. And he had to get, like, I think it was like 135 stitches just to close up the wound uh, uh, the wound over his nose. Like, it literally was a third eye. If you want to get creeped out with Gregory Rodriguez and Robocop, like, just Google his name. And, like, that's probably the first image you're going to see 
of him pop up because it was just such an iconic photo. Cost me a lot of money because I was on the other side of that fight. But man, uh, like I said, the guy just eats punches. So Dennis Tallulah is very, very live in my opinion. I don't get the why this line is so wide. I know RoboCop can wrestle and use his Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but you're telling me you're get uh, you're giving me a puncher's chance with Tallulah at 6,700. You know the fight is almost certain to finish inside the distance because of how wide open these guys fight. It, this is just one of those uh, matchups that I think you could get well overweight on both fighters. So from my perspective, this is uh this is just one of those uh you know figure out how you want to play it like and again this is where you also have to make a decision on are you mass multi entering, are you doing single entry? Then you're gonna have to choose a side if you're only doing less than twenty entries. But to me, like the game theory approach is Tulula is going to be well lower owned. There are going to be folks on Chris Weidman. There are going to be folks on Andrea Lee. I just look at this and say Tulula at six seven hundred, low owned, puncher's chance. A guy who doesn't move his head in RoboCop. Yeah, RoboCop can finish and put up a big score, but Tulula's just to me Tulula is almost as likely to put up a score well north of 100 points based off of uh, uh, how uh, these guys fight. Like, they are going to trade, and someone's going to drop, and they're going to put up a big number. So, to me, uh, it's going to be very interesting. I will say, though, that if RoboCop does play smart and wrestles, this could be a very short night for me, and Tululin could be probably the worst play on the slate. But... We haven't seen RoboCop actually use his wrestling. I, you know, MMA, you got to be well-rounded. But if a guy hasn't shown his wrestling, at a certain point, maybe he's just not going to use it. I don't know. It, it, it's just one of those things where I think RoboCop likes to stand and bang. We assume he's going to try to bang. Because there are lots of guys who can wrestle. Robbie Lawler adds a... Uh, very legitimate wrestling and always chose to bang uh, more often than not. It's just one of those things where it kind of depends on what you get with some of these folks. And again, I think Rodriguez is just one of those fighters where you're just going to get striking out of them. And that's pretty much it. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I got. So moving on, Brad Tavares and Chris Weidman, you know, I think this is going to be on the prelims uh, still and not the main card. Uh, so prelims for Weidman, um, former middleweight champ, coming off of a very nasty leg break uh, that he had against Uriah Hall. It's been two years uh, since that last fight. Um, actually, over two years. Uh, I, I think that was like April of 2021. Uh, so he's up there, like uh, almost forty. Uh, Tavares, UFC journeyman. I mean, I've been watching Brad Tavares. Um, like, oh god, what was that? Oh, what was that fight league call? 
Man, I, I can't remember. It's like it was on UPN, and I, I'm blanking on the actual name of the fight league he was in with uh, Ben Rothwell. Oh, well. Um, uh, anyway, in, in terms of uh, the... Uh, in terms of, like, so, uh, some of the uh, old olden days, because... Uh, IFL! Yes, IFL! Jeez. I, I was struggling with that, but it's been like you gotta, you guys gotta forgive gimme. Like I've been watching Brad Tavares fight for like over fifteen years, so it's it's not as though uh, all these uh, all these uh, issues are gonna come back that uh, quickly. But it, it's just one of those things where you know uh, he's been on the regional circuit for years. He's been in UFC for ages. You know. It's not as though uh, he can't fight. It's just that Brad Tavares is the very definition of a journeyman. I mean, that's all there is to say about it. Like, if you if you they use Brad Tavares as the guy to test young and up becoming fighters, the reason why this is interesting is because. They're trying to see if there's anything left in Chris Weidman. If Weidman can't beat Tavares, Weidman's retiring. And, like, we're going to see him cut cut the gloves tonight. Um, it's really that simple. Uh, Weidman's the underdog. He's plus 200. Tavares minus 245. This line's too big for Tavares. Like, I'm sorry. It, it, like, D- Tavares is the very definition of journeyman. If you want to bet on Brad Tavares to finish... Weidman, because you think Weidman's done, good luck. Uh, I just, you know, I just don't look at uh, Tavares as a striking type of fighter. Like, it's just not necessarily his strong suit. So, to me, it's, again, one of those uh, cases where, you know, he's he's got... He's got uh, five wins out of his... Uh, 19 by KO. I mean, it's just not what he does. He, he's a decision fighter, um, primarily. So, to me, uh, Weidman, he's a superior wrestler. If he can get this in the mat, great. If he doesn't get this in the mat, then we got a really tricky grappling exchange fight that's a greasy fight. Maybe you get a greasy decision and you get a Weidman. Wyman's going to be very popular on on DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, would not surprise me to see massive ownership on Weinman. Uh He's going to be popular. Tavares, not nearly as much, for good reason. I just don't think Tavares could score very well in DraftKings format. To me, this is a bet the dog or pass. Um, but I do think uh, Weidman, uh should have enough. If he's ready to go... He should be able to beat uh, Brad Tavares. If he's not, then we're going to see a retirement. It's really that simple. Moving on to the pay-per-view. We've, we start off with Mario Batista versus DeMond Blackshear. Blackshear literally just fought last week. Uh, he literally just fought last week. I, I There's no way he prepped for this fight, obviously. He's stepping in um, as... Uh, as uh, Cody Garbrandt uh, was unable to fight uh, for the pay-per-view, it had to pull out last minute. Bautista, heavy favorite at minus 200. Uh, Blackshear, plus 170. 
if he didn't win last week, because this opened at like minus 280 and it came down to um, minus 220, to me, the 280 is the more accurate line. Um, I don't, I don't see where Blackshear, not prepped for Batista because it's a completely different fight. Um, Batista has a wrestling background, better striker than what uh, uh, Blackshear went up against. Like, totally different fight uh, than what Blackshear just went up against uh, uh, last week. I just, you know, he's not going to be able to take uh, Batista down, in my opinion. Uh, to to me, like this is a case of everyone's getting hyped up on uh, on the Jose Johnson fight. When Jose Johnson, I mean, again, it's just completely different fighters. You got a better wrestler, better striker on the Batista side. Blackshear, he's showing up to get a paycheck. I mean, he took no damage last week, which is why he's fighting and was cleared to fight. But this doesn't. To me, I think this is a very light Blackshear night. Maybe he can pull off an upset with a surprise submission attempt uh, in a random-ass gr- grappling exchange, but I'm, I'm not feeling this at all. Um, but my, my pick is Batista, 9100. He's going to be very low on, on DraftKings. Blackshear's going to be very popular on DraftKings. He's probably going to have three times the ownership of Batista, so I think you can get leverage by playing Batista. Uh, and he's the favorite anyway. Um, but people are going to try to find a value dog bet, and uh, Blackshear and Wyman are going to be popular plays. So uh, th- that's just the way I look at it. Next up, Marlon Vera versus uh, Pedro Munoz. Cheeto Vera is a minus one eighty five favorite. Why is he not a bigger favorite? Because Cheeto Vera takes off the first round. It's one of the most common things in MMA. Vera takes forever and a day to get going in fights, and he, he just doesn't hit the gas pedal until the second round. He's going to give away this first round. Munoz is a talented enough wrestler that he could steal this fight because Cheeto does not put on volume in the first round. He, t- he takes way too much off, uh, try to read his opponent, and I just think this is one of those dangerous fights where... He could lose the fight because he doesn't uh, put in like enough volume. I, I think very easily we, we could see uh, Pedro Munoz eventually uh, get uh, get uh, a takedown in the second or third round, and that seals the fight because he'll probably give away the first round. Now, if Cheeto changes it up and actually put uh, puts in some volume with his striking. Yeah, this is very much a real uh, clear decision for Cheeto because I think he'll put up enough volume to win the fight. But the question is, he might lose another round because of a takedown. And if it's after the first round, again, we've seen Cheeto Vera take every fight pretty much uh, 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 on a whim. And I just don't feel comfortable uh, putting uh, money on Cheeto. It, it, it is what it is. Next up, we have Ian McGarry, who they are trying to make the next Conor McGregor as badly as they want versus Neil Magny. Uh, original fight was supposed to be against Jeff Neal, who probably would have been an easier fight for 
uh, Gary, to be honest. Uh, Gary has, while he does have jujitsu, uh, he wants to stand the bang. Neil Magny will just try to make this an ugly fight, grapple, uh, just try to clinch. Lots of clinching. People think Gary's going to walk through Neil Magny. I, it's not that I think, uh, they're, they're going to do, uh, such a tremendous job that, uh, there's no way Neil Magny, uh, can't win the fight. I just look at this as a fight where Neil Magny can make it relevant enough where it's actually kind of a tricky matchup for, uh, Gary and he'll eventually get the win, but this could go to a decision. And at 9,600, that decision is going to kill you from a DFS perspective. I think Gary wins the fight because he is on the UFC hype train. Neil Magny's not going to put out a ton of offense to necessarily steal the fight, but I think he can muck it up enough to get this to a decision. It's just that it'll be a decision that he's going to lose. Because uh, I don't think he's going to do anything defensive enough uh, to beat uh, uh, Gary. But, um, yeah, from my perspective, uh, it should be uh, a close fight. But it's not as though this is a this is a matchup where uh, I think the uh, outcome is going to be in, in doubt. I, I think it's going to be pretty much Gary doing the damage, getting enough of the exchanges. I just think Neil Magny can do enough just to hang around uh, and be relevant in the fight. So, uh, yep, that's what I got there. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll get into the main events uh, that I want to talk about a little bit further. Stick, stick around. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, we are back for the main events, well, co-main events, uh, if you will. And up first, we have Whaley Zhang defending against Amanda Lemos. I'll be honest, I'm not seeing why Whaley is only minus 310, which is heavy favorite, but 
uh, Lemos is plus 250. I look at this from the standpoint of Zhang has all the tools to stand and bang with Lemos, and she can wrestle her. To, to me, this is just a case of if Lemos can catch a right punch at straw weight, maybe she can put down Whaley. You've seen the videos. Whaley picks up Francis Ngannou. She has the strength. She's incredibly compact. Realistically, the way she's been beaten is by Rose Namajunas being that versatile on the feet as well as the hands. Lemos is primarily going to use her hands. Uh, yeah, she has some jujitsu, but it's the kicking game that I don't necessarily see from Lemos. And with Zhang being able to just get her to the ground, I don't, I don't see, it. I don't see the pathway for Lemos to win this fight. I think Whaley is going to take her to the ground repeatedly and ride this out to a decision victory. Now, could Zhang get a finish? Sure. Um, it's it just depends on if she tires out Lemos. If Lemos gets too tired, then yeah, uh, Zhang's gonna finish this fight. But at ninety two hundred, I think because of the control time and the amount of takedowns, uh, Whaley is gonna be able to get on Lemos. I think she makes perfect sense for ownership uh, in terms of DraftKings scoring because of the takedowns and multiple takedowns. Uh, will score incredibly well with the control time. I am not seeing the Lemos angle. I'm struggling to see it. Because to me, even more so than the Aljo, uh, uh, Aljo fight with, against, uh, against O'Malley, I, at least I could see more angles for O'Malley approach. Lemos comes across as very direct. I don't see the angles where Lemos is going to catch Wei Li with a punch that's going to put her down. Like, to me, the way Rose Namajunas was able to beat Wei Li was because she was able to take different angles and use kicking to get Wei Li off balance and catch her in awkward spots. Like, she ate some massive kicks. Like, that's how you beat Wei Li. You got to be able to go side to side and mix uh, mix around with the strikes. I don't see that with Lemos. She's a puncher, and I think just being that one dimensional is not going to get it done against Zhang. She's extremely well rounded and technical. I think she puts it on Lemos, and I and I think uh, this is a pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, uh, it's supposed to be uh, it's a minus three sixty finish inside the distance. That may be the bet to bet it to go to a decision. Because I do think there's a pathway where Lemo survives, but Wei Li is prohibitive favorite for a reason. I just think it's an even bigger favorite in terms of percentage. I, I, I'm just not seeing the angles for Lemos. Yeah, there's always a chance for a lucky punch, but Wei Li just pretty solid all around. I'm not seeing where she's necessarily getting caught. Now, for the other co-main event in the main fight... Aljamain Sterling versus Sean O'Malley. Listen, the sports books are going to be pushing all sorts of props for Sugar uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley because 
O'Malley has the social media following. He has all the fans. He has people buying into the belief that he's uh, he's the best fighter at Bantamweight. Listen, he lost that fight to Peter Young. He straight up lost that fight to Peter Young. I don't give a damn what anyone says on the official cards. Peter Young won that fight. Now, with that being said, O'Malley does have a better striking than people give him credit for. But... Here's the thing. Aljamain Sterling has been in there with Jan. Won that more convincingly. As I said, I thought O'Malley lost. He uh, Aljo won that uh, second fight with Jan convincingly. He beat uh, Cody Sanhagen. I don't think there's a world where O'Malley beats Sanhagen in a striking battle. I, I don't. I think Sanhagen's waiting for that fight against O'Malley. Because even if O'Malley somehow finds a way of winning against Aljo, he's getting Sanhagen next, and Sanhagen's going to take that, uh, take the strap off of O'Malley in that scenario. I don't see O'Malley ever beating uh, Sanhagen in a striking battle. Because Sanhagen's more technical and just as elusive in terms of his movement and the angles where he can hit you from, even more than O'Malley is. To me, this comes down to, does Aljo slip up? Because there's always a chance for Aljo to slip up and, you know, you, you land a good, uh, uh, a solid punch or a kick, high kick that can change the uh, nature of a fight and scramble Aljo. That's it. That is the puncher's chance. But... Uh, you know, this is about, uh, you know, Aljo is going to be able to get O'Malley to the ground. O'Malley was grabbing the cage. Like, people forget, like, O'Malley was grabbing that cage repeatedly and should have been losing points because of the amount of fence grabs he had against Peter Yan. And Yan is not a wrestler. Aljo, superior wrestler, like, he's, I mean... I don't see it. Like, Aljo would have to fight the dumbest fight of his career. And dumbest fight, uh, based off of all the other dudes he's fought uh, uh, leading up to O'Malley, to lose this fight. Because to me, this is a straightforward, Aljo gets O'Malley to the ground and and basically uh, uh, backpack rides him uh, for a decision victory or chokes him out. I don't even see the pathway other than Aljo's ego gets too large because of all the wins he's had lately that O'Malley gets there. But O'Malley does come at weird angles and that's how uh and get done. But there's a there's a reason why O'Malley lost a, a Cheeto Vera. Like again uh I'm not. I'm not seeing it. I, I really don't see it. Like to me, this is more of the case of if O'Malley finds a way to win it, it's more because of Aljo losing it than O'Malley winning. It. I'm sorry, O'Malley fans, but there isn't a pathway that I see O'Malley getting there unless Aljo f's up 
and doesn't catch the angle that O'Malley's coming from. But given that Aljo's, again, he's been in there with Yanni. He's been in there with Sanhagen. O'Malley's not offering him anything that he hasn't already seen. That's why this is a fight about ego more than anything else. If he doesn't fight with ego, Aljo takes this one easily. If he comes in there with an ego, there's always a puncher's chance for O'Malley. But to me, uh, Sterling at minus 265, again, too cheap. This is a minus 400 uh, play. This is Aljo all day. That's why the odds makers, uh, uh, odds makers keep throwing out these props because they're hoping for uh, people to suck in money on uh, the O'Malley uh, betters, like with these juiced props. Meanwhile, the heavy betters, serious betters, are throwing all their cash on Aljo because they know what it's going down as. This is pretty straightforward. So, again, kind of boring, but it is what it is, guys. Um, not much else to say about it. So, uh, that does it for me. I'm getting on out of here. I get this uploaded for you guys so you got to uh, kind of make your own decisions as to how to approach uh, your bets and the slate. But, uh, yeah, should be an interesting thing that it fights in Boston. So, we shall see. But uh, until next time, have a good one, folks, and uh, be well. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets.